Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. All right. Merry Christmas, everybody. It's Christmas Eve. Oh my goodness, I'm excited. I'm so glad you guys are here. I'm so glad we get to share part of this evening together. Awesome. Before I dive into the Christmas Eve sermon, let me share with you a couple of announcements I think will be very important for you to know as we wrap up 2021. Kind of weird, but I am very excited. I hope you are too, to move on to another year maybe, right? Yeah, like glad this one's done. All right. So anyway, this Sunday, the 26th, we won't have services. We are already doing our weekend services right now. Well, you're in it right now. Okay. So we're not doing it this Sunday. Spend it with your family. Then next Sunday, the 2nd of January, we're going to do, and we've been doing this for like six years, long before COVID, right? We've been doing a thing called Church at Home. We've already recorded a service. It's going to be an online only offering. And some of you over the last year and a half have gotten really good at what watching church in your PJs, you get to practice again next, that Sunday, the second, right? The second, log on to brazosfellowship.com. We'll have a special message, brand new one that I want to share with you. Some special worship that we've recorded just for you guys. It's going to be a special service all together. And in that message, I'm going to share with you uh, how to have hope going into a new year. How to have not just hope, but indomitable kind of, kind of hope that can, can survive anything. And, and isn't it time, like isn't it an appropriate time for us to learn how to live with that kind of hope, to be those kinds of people? Your workplace needs people like that. Your home needs people like that. Your neighborhood, your family. And, and I just want to help you to know how to hold on to that hope and how to live with it all throughout the year. This is the kind of message I hope you will share with other people. And I hope it will continue to be an encouragement to you throughout the year. So check that out on the second. That will be uh, our church at home message. The next Sunday... The ninth will be our next time we will actually be in person, have full services on Sunday morning, resuming exactly as we normally do. And I'm going to be kicking off a brand new series that Sunday entitled Three Enemies of Your Peace. And we're going to be talking about how to recognize and resist these enemies that really sabotage our soul, that wreck us on the inside. And I know a lot of you, I've talked to a lot of people over the last couple of years that just feel like, man, I just can't seem to pull out of this. I just feel like I'm just, I feel like I'm walking in a, an oppressed state all the time. So we're going to talk about what are the spiritual and biblical principles that God has given us to begin to break free of that? I really think you, people that you love, you know, invite them to this. I think it could be an incredible game changer turning point for a lot of people. So that starts on the 9th. So don't forget, be a part of that on the 9th. Okay, without further ado, let's dive into tonight's message. We are going to be concluding a series we've been in for the last month called Emmanuel. Emmanuel is a Old Testament prophetic name given through the prophet Isaiah for Jesus. It was given 700 years before Jesus' birth. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, in this word, this name, Emmanuel, means God with us. 
God with us. So we've been looking at these beautiful stories, accounts, if you will, these historical accounts that make up the Christmas story. Every single one of them have another beautiful moment that show us here's how God is still with us right now. Here's how he's with us in the middle of this situation, in this circumstance, in this kind of, kind of moment in our life. And tonight is no different. We're going to be looking at the Christmas story in the Gospel of Matthew. And sometimes we go through the whole Christmas season. Isn't it true? We go through the whole Christmas season and sometimes never read the Christmas story. Okay, so tonight we're going to do that together. We're going to look at Matthew chapter 1, starting with verse 18 in just a moment. But before we dive into that... Let me just say, uh, I think it's important for us to understand before I read this to you, first of all, that the way in which the Gospels are written, and especially the one we're going to be looking at tonight, Matthew, as we look at this, uh, this story of Jesus' birth and how these things came about, this was not written as allegory or myth or legend. It was written as a historical account to be read and understood that these events actually happened to these people. Like, this really happened to real people, just like you and me, at a time where they didn't anticipate it happening at the time that it did, nor to the people it happened to. All of this was shocking and scary for them. So I think it's important to keep that in mind. So let's give you a little historical context. What was the backdrop, in other words, the setting historically for the story we're about to read? It was a time in history where Rome ruled with an iron fist, they were the dominant world military power. They ruled everything. And it was a time where there were very little civil rights, even less if you were Jewish, even less if you were a female. All right? It was a time where slavery was practiced and assumed. It was a time where prostitution was practiced. It was a time where um, theft and murder was a regular thing with people who were vulnerable and poor. In society, not all, no, almost no protection for them at a time where I think for many people would look around and say, the world is kind of hopeless right now. This is not looking good. And they were very open to the fact that we need a savior. Now, you may be sitting here saying, I feel that way about our world right now, okay? And that's a whole other thing. But yes, we've, we felt like that many times throughout the world. And I want you to see that tonight, what happens in this story is still available and powerfully relevant to us today in our story right now. So we're going to zero in on this young Jewish guy who is engaged to his um, teenage fiance named Mary. Joseph is, the, is the, this young, um, you know, engaged guy, and he's engaged to this teenage girl named Mary, and it, it's an unbelievable moment where we're going to see Joseph comes face to face with maybe one of his greatest, to date for sure, his greatest faith crisis of his life, all right? And it's going to make him ask the question, God, what do I do next? I don't know how to manage, how to navigate, how to go forward. And maybe, just maybe, you have been in a place like this before, where you're stuck between, here's what God says, or at least what I think he says, and here's what I understand. Here's, here's what makes sense to me, right? What makes sense to me does not jive with what God is saying. Like, what God's saying doesn't seem to make any sense to me, and I'm stuck between this proverbial rock and a hard place here, and I don't know how to go forward. You ever been there? 
Some of you, I bet, are saying, I'm I'm there right now. (laughs) I can think of more than one place I am there right now. Maybe you've got a person in your life. Maybe you're a mama or a daddy or a grandfather or grandmama. You are an aunt or an uncle. You've got somebody that may come to you or already has that needs some advice. They're there. And one of the greatest gifts you could give them this Christmas is some godly advice that could navigate them forward and they will forever be grateful for the advice you gave them. And I, want, I hope that you gain that tonight. And here's the thing I want you to, to be thinking about, the question to guide us as we go through this. Have you ever been caught between what God says and what makes sense? Have you ever been there? Because I think we all have, if you're not there right now. So here's what I want us to do, is let's dive into this story, um, this account, this historical account of Joseph, starting with verse 18 of Matthew chapter one. Let's take a look at that together. The birth of Jesus Christ came about this way. After his mother Mary had been engaged to Joseph, it was, let's say it together, it was discovered if there ever was a single word that was packed with an entire crazy story, it was that one right there, all right? It was discovered before they came together that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit spirit, okay? So, wow. Think about this. Here's this teenage Jewish girl living in a house. It's either one or two bedroom. Like, there is no place to hide, right? You're with your parents all the time. She sees her fiance probably every single day, and she's this skinny little girl, and it's obvious when she starts getting pregnant, right? It's really obvious. And can you just imagine? I mean, the discovered part, there had to have been at some point a conversation between Joseph and Mary, right? Either she brings it up or he's like, uh, I think we need to talk, okay? Like, it had to have something transpired. And just from what we know of Mary's character, I think she initiated. I think she said, hey, look, I need to tell you something, and this is really important, okay? And here's what you need to know. I'm pregnant, right? But, but just take a deep breath because the baby is God. Oh, and also the daddy's God. <laughs> okay, think about how you would respond to that, right? Oh, no problem. That's great. That's amazing. Or maybe you would say something like this, Mary, are you serious? Right? That would be the, that would be the question I would be, you know, even if maybe it didn't come out like that, that would be what I would be asking. And if she came back to say, oh, well, listen, just calm down. It's okay. Like, I'm still a virgin, like, what would your response be? What do you mean you're still a virgin, right? What, what do you mean by that? That's impossible. Look at you. Look at you. What, what are you talking about? And guys, think about this for just a second, right? If you're on the receiving, you're Joseph for just a moment. The questions that you're wanting to ask, who did this and where is he? Because I'm going to go find that guy right now and wring his neck, right? That's like the, let's be honest, that, and this is a time in history when people would go out and exact, you know, righteous indignation on one another pretty quickly. And that's the kind of thing I would think a lot of guys would be feeling. And you, maybe you can relate. Moments that have happened, like, are you serious? What is, I, I, this, none of this makes sense. None of this makes sense. And he's struggling to try to make sense of this. And you need to understand that this engagement between Mary and Joseph was equivalent contractually at this time as already being married. The only thing that was missing is they weren't living together. 
not consummating the marriage yet. They were waiting until their wedding day. But in every other way, they were fully and completely committed. This is why you'll see language that talks about divorce if they were to break it off. And if Joseph wanted to, he could pursue the full extent of the law, which means that she would be executed. I don't know if you knew this, but that could have happened. And she for sure would be put out of the village and made to go live somewhere else. She would not be around her family, her friends, or anyone else for that matter, ever again. And, and it, this is a time where a woman couldn't just go out and find work. Like, she had no rights. She had nothing. She couldn't own land. She couldn't, she couldn't do anything. Like, it was a horrible situation for her. This is really scary. And he's trying to figure out, what am I going to do? What is my next move? And verse 19 tells us this. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Again, this is why it's called divorce. Even though they're engaged, it was this deeply, um, you know, bonding kind of contract between them. And this language here that he was faithful to the law, sometimes the translation says that he was a just man or he was a righteous man, that he was committed. In other words, what, what Matthew is trying to help us to see is that there's, there's this like tortured kind of torment tension within Joseph of like, I'm committed to the law of God, but I love this girl and I want to give her the most compassion and the most mercy and I want to give her the easiest way out of this, but I don't know what to do here. I am really tortured here. And on top of that, so he's scared, like I love her, but I don't know if I could trust her. And also on top of that, he's living in a tight community where everybody knows everybody, right? And he's scared of what are people going to think for the rest of his life. If he marries this girl, he knows people will be murmuring under their breath behind his back of, there goes Joseph, knew that she cheated on him and he married her anyway. What an idiot, right? And he's thinking, I don't want to live with that. I don't, I, I'm scared. I'm scared. And verse 20 tells us this. But after he had, let's say it together, he had considered this, and we don't know how long that might have been, hours, days, weeks, we don't know exactly how long this consideration process happened, but he's considering it, he's thinking about it, he's stewing on it, he's, he's marinating the ideas over and over in his mind. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Now, this is the first, we see a lot of angels visiting a lot of people, but this is the first one in a dream. And I have kind of a, um, I have a kind of a, a theory about this because Joseph was already scared. He was already kind of freaking out and probably a, a little bit like having an anxiety attack, uh, panicking, stressed. And, and, you know, whenever the angel showed up, kind of like did an in-person visit, um, people like thought they were going to die. And I think God knew that Joseph's threshold psychologically was really low anyway. Like, hey, let's go to him in a dream. Like, well, this is sort of like God's version of Zoom call. Let's just zoom it in. We don't have to be in person. It's okay. Like, I think it's going to be too stressful for him. So the angel shows up in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, again, this speaks to his lineage that, that Jesus was prophesied to be uh, from the line of King David. And so this is Matthew showing all the Jewish people, hey, look, this fulfills this part of the prophecy. Joseph, son of David, do not be, let's say it together, do not be afraid. Once again, God is 
trying to reassure people that what I'm about to ask you to do, you don't have to be afraid. It's okay. Don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In other words, everything that girl has told you is true. I will validate it. It is true. In other words, don't let your fear, boy, keep you from what I'm telling you to do. And I think God would tell us here at Christmas 2021, don't let your fear, don't let my fear keep me from what God is showing us he wants us to do next. What is it that God's trying to do in your life? Fear many times. The fear of what people are going to think, just like Joseph. The fear of the outcomes of the circumstance. I can't control this guy. I don't know how it's going to turn out. This is scary. This is freaking me out. And that fear paralyzes us and keeps us from moving forward with God. And I believe right here we see God through his angel reassuring Joseph that don't let fear keep you from what God wants to do in your life too. And you may be in a place like that where you're kind of paralyzed by fear right now. And I love what the angel says next in verse 21. He says, she will give birth to a son and you are going to give him the name, let's say it together, the name Jesus, right? Now, once again, this is a name that is packed with an entire story behind it. Jesus, in its quick definition, is it, it means the Lord saves or rescuer. The Lord gives his salvation or the Lord is our savior. But it is deeper than that. Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew Joshua or pronounced in Hebrew Yeshua which Joshua hints towards an entire story, an entire historical account in the Old Testament of this Old Testament warrior deliverer who was right by Moses' side when the children of Israel were emancipated out of their 430 years slavery to Egypt, brought out with plagues on plagues, right? Remember that? And God brings them out of the slavery and 40 years going across the wilderness and brings them into the promised land. But it was not not Moses that brought him into the promised land. It was Joshua. And in a sense, what this angel is doing is saying this Jesus, this Yeshua, is a New Testament, new covenant, warrior, deliverer. And in a similar way, just like God rescued and emancipated his people out of actual physical man-made slavery, that this Jesus will come and once and for all offer opportunity for people to be emancipated and free from the, the, the slavery of sin and be set free in him, in a relationship with God himself, invited into a kingdom to be citizens of a spiritual kingdom that will last forever, and that he will ultimately set up his new promised land, a new heaven and a new earth, where we will come and reign with him forever. This is packed into that one name. And Joseph had to be going, oh my goodness, it's happening. What had been prophesied for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, could this be? Is it coming true right now? And that is exactly what the angel is saying. You and Mary are going to be the ones God picks to bring all this to pass. Beautiful. And verse 21 goes on to say this, Jesus, Jesus, because he will save his 
people. Now, if it stopped right there, I'm sure in the Jewish mind of Joseph, he would be thinking, yes, save us from the slavery we have to Rome. We've been, we've been slaves to them for hundreds of years. We need saving from them. Yes, finally, God's going to send us that Messiah, that, that Savior. And to many of the Jews, that's what, that was their big problem with Jesus. They wanted a military leader. They didn't want a spiritual saver. But he didn't stop there. He says that because he will save his people from their, let's say it together, their sins. That's what he came to save us from. And in the Jewish mind of that day would be probably a pushback to say, no, wait a minute, we don't need saving from sin. Have you seen our temple? We already have a save you from your sin system set up right over there right? But that system would not bring them into an Emmanuel relationship with God. They would never know him personally, intimately. They get their sins forgiven, sure, but they sin right, they, they go right back to what they were doing. It, would, it did not work. And so what he's showing them that, that God wants to do so much more than that. In their mind, they were thinking, you, you want to save us, save us from Rome. Rome is the, like, save us from the sins of Rome. Rome is the one that actually needs to be saved from sin, not the Jews. That, that, that's probably how they felt. They thought, listen, you want to help us out, send a Savior down here that will bring down some, like, Exodus-style plagues on Rome. Like, pour out his, God's wrath on them. That would be awesome. By the way, do that to Caesar, and, and while you're at it, you can do it to crazy King Herod and anybody else who gets in our way. You know why? Because a real Savior in our mind is somebody who comes down and restores our power and our prosperity because that ultimately is what we want from God but that was not what God came to bring to them and we still make the same mistake today we think well well God ought to make me powerful and prosperous he ought to give me what I want he ought to fix all the problems in my life and God's saying you still don't get it your biggest problem is your sin issue you need to be forgiven and you need to learn how to walk Apart from that, in the power of the Spirit of God, and we have to be reminded that that is what Emmanuel is all about. It's coming to know who God actually is and that he came to free us, save us, to emancipate us from the tyranny of sin in our life that we don't even realize that we're prisoners to half the time anymore. But this is what he's talking about. He's saying, listen, I have come to do this so that he might become your Emmanuel. And I love how uh, Matthew gives us a little side commentary right here in this next verse. Here's what he says. He says, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. And this is prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him, let's say it together, they will call him Emmanuel, which means, let's say it together, God with us. God with us. And I, I have to believe that there was some fear and some pushback in Joseph. He didn't know how, I mean, this is a simple carpenter from Nazareth, right? Not a wealthy guy, he's a poor guy from a poor town, kind of a nowheresville kind of place, Right? And I have to believe that there was some kind of a prayer, and maybe you could connect with part of this. I, I just want to share this with you. What might have been, we don't know for sure, but this is what might have been prayed by Joseph. Something like this, God, I'm a carpenter, a builder. 
I measure twice and I cut once. Surprises are not a friend of a builder, right? If you've ever tried to build anything, surprises usually are not working in your favor, right? He says, I like to know the plan, God. I like to see the plan before I begin. Anybody in the room ever feel like that? Like, I would be nice to know the whole plan before we start, but that's not how it works, right? But this time, I'm not the builder, am I? This isn't my project. This project is yours, not mine. Like this, there had to be this realization. I, you're inviting me into your project. I'm not taking this on as mine, right? And he ends by saying, forgive me. Trust doesn't come easy for me, but you never promised it would be easy, did you? You ever prayed a prayer or something like that to God? Now, we don't know for sure if that's what Joseph prayed or not, but I really believe that we can assume that his heart had to make some kind of a transference like that. It had to move from, I need to know, I need to know, to, I think I'm okay, just trusting you. And, and, and let me just say to you, if you're in that place tonight, but stuck between what God has told you, what God has said, and what makes sense to you, and I just want to encourage you that if you're, if you're considering, you know that word considering, we said that we don't know how long he considered, you're considering or you're asking the kind of questions that Joseph asked, let me urge you to do what Joseph did. In other words, when you are where Joseph was, then do what Joseph does. When you are where Joseph was, then do what Joseph does. I'd like us to say that together because I think that is really good. I feel like God just gave me that. All right. When, let's say it together. Ready? One, two, three. When you are where Joseph was, then do what Joseph does. That's right. Now, what did he do? Let's take a look. Verses 24 and 25. Here's what he did. When Joseph woke up, Let's see these highlighted words together. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as, as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son and he gave him the name Jesus. That's right. He trusted God. He obeyed God even though he did not understand it all. I'm sure he's still saying, conceived by the Holy Spirit, I don't even begin to understand what that means. I don't know how that works. But God, that's your territory. This is your project. You've invited me to be a part of it. And I said, yes. And I'm going to follow you. And you see, God used Joseph to be a hero to Mary because God knew something about that situation. If Joseph didn't believe Mary, nobody would. He had to do this. He had to speak to him and confirm to him and reassure him, you could trust what Mary is telling you. She is a woman of integrity. She has not cheated on you. She has not violated her commitment to you. She has done the honorable thing, and she is obeying me, and she is seeking my approval over all these people who are probably criticizing her and talking about her behind her back that she is choosing to please me over people. And by the way, that is the secret to the peace of God. The moment you make yourself a slave to ple pleasing the people, that is a crazy maker, isn't it? Have you ever tried it? It will make you insane. And these two young people have figured it out. God, no more are we going to try to keep everybody happy. We're going to seek you. We're going to please you. We're going to obey you above all else. And even when we don't understand, 
You see, Joseph, he trusted God with what he couldn't understand. God, you don't owe me an explanation. It's okay. I trust you. I'm going to do the next right thing. I'm going to do what you have called me to do. In other words, I just want to encourage you tonight that when you're in that place of like, I don't know what to do next. I don't, I'm stuck between what God has said or what I think God has said and what I can figure out and what makes sense to me. I want to encourage you to do what Joseph did. When you are where Joseph was, then do what Joseph does. Make that next step. Whatever that little micro step, baby step is, trust God, move forward. Do what he says to do next. Do the next right thing. And I just want to encourage you to do that tonight because some of you, you know there's a conversation you need to have this Christmas season with somebody who is so hard for you to talk to. Maybe it's somebody in your family and you haven't talked to them in a long time. And God is saying that's the next right thing. Some of you need to sit down and have a heart-to-heart with your spouse. It's been a long time. And you need to tell them. You need to remind them, I love you. I'm committed to you. But we need to work on some things. That is the next right thing for you to do. Some of you need to go way out of your way, just like Joseph did, to love, to give, to serve somebody in a way that's going to cost you something. And, and that is a way of obeying God with an area that you don't quite understand. It's the next right thing for you. What is it that God's saying, it's time for you to trust me? It's time for you to trust me. You see, Christmas reminds us that God is with us and he can be trusted. This is such a basic thing to the the Christian life and to life in general, to the reality of living on this earth as a human being. You can't do it in abundance. Jesus taught this. You can never know the abundant life apart from doing this, trusting God with what you can't understand. God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your word. I'm going to trust you. And it's in, the, it's in taking the steps. See, God doesn't ever give us the six steps in front of us. He gives us the one step. Like, will you take the one step? Okay. And then he reveals the next step, right? But many times God will reveal the one step and we say, oh God, that's too scary. and we're paralyzed by our own fear, just like Joseph was. Let the wake-up call that God gave to Joseph be yours tonight, that when you find yourself where Joseph was, that you would do what Joseph does and do the next right thing. I love this quote from Max Lucado, tying this idea of Emmanuel back down, that Jesus became one of us so that we might become one with him. He entered our world in the high hope that we would enter his. That is exactly why Jesus came as our Emmanuel. And tonight, I would just invite you, whatever the circumstances where you felt stuck, maybe somebody that you love is stuck, and you need to sit down with them and have this conversation. It's time for you to do the next right thing. When, when you find yourself where Joseph was, that you would be willing to do what Joseph does. You would do the next right thing. Some great, great advice. It could radically change somebody's life for the better to just begin to do that. So here's what I ask you to do tonight on this Christmas Eve, that you would be willing to commit in prayer to apply what we've been talking about tonight. Once again, thanks for listening. 
If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.